0: Clean up your library. We have access to the most knowledge than we've ever had in our entire existence of humanity. You have access to the most brilliant minds, past and present. Why wouldn't you take advantage of that? But instead, we tend to fill our feeds with junk. We are a junk generation. Welcome back to Diary of an Empath. So before we get started in today's episode, I just have to share some exciting news with you guys. So I recently found out that Diary of an Empath is rated 348 in health and fitness podcasts in the US, and it's ranked 589 globally. I know this doesn't seem like much, but out of millions of podcasts to be ranked number 348 under the health and fitness category is amazing. My goal was to get in the top 200 maybe within one year. And within just eight episodes, thanks to everyone like you that is listening and sharing and reviewing, we are now ranked at 348, which is amazing. So if you like what you hear, if you like this podcast, please continue to share. If it resonates, please rate and review because that does help the podcast grow in the charts. Okay, so let's get started with today's episode. I want to talk about social media. Social media is so prevalent in our generation today. We all use it. I'm guilty of using it. I don't think I know anybody that doesn't have a Facebook. The very few people that I have met that don't have a Facebook are like unicorns to me. We use it for everything. It's just part of our generation. And I think that one of the really interesting theories or debates, I should say, is is social media good for us or is it hurting us as a species? Is it hurting us as humans? Because As connected as we are, we're more connected now than we've ever been, but yet we're so disconnected. We can connect with anybody around the world. We can FaceTime. We can talk to new people that we never thought we'd be able to talk to, people in other countries, other cultures. We're so connected. Yet, I don't know if you feel like me, but I've never felt so disconnected because as humans, we need human interaction. It is in our DNA, both from an evolutionary standpoint, a spiritual standpoint, or even a religious standpoint. Whatever your belief systems are, I think we can all agree that as a human species, we need social interaction. I want to talk about some of the stats. The data shows that there is 4.48 billion social media users around the world in July of 2021, and I'm sure that number has increased because of COVID. That equates to almost 57% of the total global population. Think about that for a second. That means that almost half of the world is using social media. These figures suggest that more than nine out of 10 internet users are now using social media each month. That equates to an analyzed growth of 13.1% or an average of 16.5 new users every single second the typical user actively uses or visits an average of 6.6 different social media platforms each month. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We have Hinged, we have Bumble, we have Tinder. That's, that's not even looking at the dating apps. And each spends an average of close to two and a half hours using social media each day. And I can guarantee you that those numbers are higher. I want you to look at your phone right now. I know if you have an iPhone, you can do this. Open your phone and go to your settings and look to see what your average hours each day that you spend on social media and on your phone. I can guarantee you those numbers are not only going to alarm you, but it's going to scare you. And if those numbers don't scare you, good on you, I'm proud of you. I unfortunately am not one of those people because the numbers that I saw definitely scared me and was an eye-opener for me, which is why I wanna do this podcast episode. Now, let's assume that people are sleeping between seven and eight hours a day. These latest figures suggest that people spend roughly 15% of their waking lives using social media. That means if you live to be 100 years old, 15 of those years were spent using social media apps. To me, that's insane. And if you think about it, added together, The world spends more than 10 billion hours using social media platforms each day. And that's equivalent of nearly 1.2 million years of human existence. What's crazy is that social media has not been around for that long. So the only downside to that is data and the studies are limited because social media has really only been around for the last 10 years. So there's just not a lot of data or a lot of studies. It's just now getting started, and a lot of the data that has been collected is self-reported. I do want to talk about certain perspectives and certain areas that there is some data on and what that data shows on certain aspects of our lives. So let's look at stress. In 2015, researchers at the Pew Research Center, I hope I'm saying that right. I don't know if it's Pew or Poo. We're going to say Pew. (laughs) Pew. I'm sorry. I hope I didn't offend anybody who is at this research center. But researchers at the Pew Research Center based in Washington, D.C., sought to find out if social media induces more stress than it actually relieves. Because I don't know about you guys, but I'm guilty of it. When I'm stressed out or when I've had a long day, one of the first things I reach for is my phone. And I'm usually scrolling on Facebook or Instagram or scrolling on an app. So in the survey that they did, they did it with 1,800 people and women in particular reported being more stressed than men, which I find very interesting. Twitter was found to be a significant contributor because it increased their awareness of people's stress. But Twitter also acted as a coping mechanism and the more women used it, the less stressed they were the same effect wasn't found in men whom the researchers said had a more distant relationship with social media. So overall, the researchers concluded that social media was linked to moderately low levels of stress. So that's an interesting perspective. So essentially, what this particular study showed is that social media reduced more stress than what it caused. But it seems like this study was a little bit skewed because, first of all, they only did 1,800 people. So they only surveyed these people. It was self-reported data. It doesn't say how many men were surveyed compared to women. So it seems like there is some other contributing factors that may have skewed this data. So I'm not sure how reliable this data is. But my biggest advice is always if something is stressing you out, If you are on an app and it stresses you out more than it de-stresses you, then that's probably a good indicator that you need to spend less time on social media or that particular app. The next thing, let's look at mood. How does social media affect mood? Well, in 2014, researchers in Austria found that participants reported lower moods after using Facebook for 20 minutes compared to those who just browsed the internet. The study suggested that people felt that way because they saw it as a waste of time. So a good or bad mood may also be spread between people on social media, according to the researchers from the University of California, who assessed the emotional content of over a billion status updates from more than 100 million Facebook users between 2009 and 2012. Weather, which is very interesting, increased the number of negative posts by 1%. And the researchers found that one negative post by someone in a rainy city influenced another 1.3 negative posts by friends living in dry cities. So the question then remains, can we influence each other by the things that we post? Are we influenced by the things that we see on social media? And I think the answer is absolutely yes. So social media is your library. You have control over your library. And I'm going to talk about this a little bit more at the end of the episode. If you are constantly exposing yourself to negative things, you will find that you are going to be in a bad mood, or maybe you'll start thinking lower of yourself. But if you expose to things that serve your highest good, things that are knowledge based, things that help you serve a purpose, things that make you feel fulfilled or people that make you feel fulfilled. You will find that you will be in a better mood. At least I know for me, I am like that. Clean up your library. We have access to the most knowledge than we've ever had in our entire existence of humanity. You have access to the most brilliant minds, past and present. Why wouldn't you take advantage of that? But instead, we tend to fill our feeds with junk. We are a junk generation. So all of our feeds are filled with all of these fitness models, these things that add no value to our lives. And then we wonder why we're depressed, why our teens are suffering with mental illness, why we're constantly doubting ourselves, why we look in the mirror and are not happy with what we see because we live in a filtered generation. And we wonder why social media is causing anxiety, not only in our youth, but in young adults. A study published in the Journal of Computers and Human Behavior found that people who report using seven or more social media platforms, which I think a lot of us are guilty of, were more than three times likely as people using zero to two platforms to have high levels of general anxiety symptoms. So go on your phone right now, if you have Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, dating apps, and other social media platforms, that means that you are three times as likely than maybe somebody who only has one or two social media platforms to have anxiety. So with that said, it's unclear if and how social media causes the anxiety, but researchers from the, I hope I'm saying this right, Babes Belaya University in Romania reviewed existing research on the relationship between social anxiety and social networking in 2016 and said that the results were mixed. They concluded that more research needs to be done. And like I mentioned earlier, this is a really new area of study. Social media has only been around for about the last 10 years. I remember MySpace days was back in 2010. I was in the Marine Corps. Facebook had just came out. And I had the MySpace profile. I had it down to where I knew how to put in all the links and all the coding onto my page. So my page was popping. I had my top five. I think back then I was using Mi and Black Planet to date. That was the dating. That's how we dated. That was our dating apps. We didn't have Bumble or Tinder. The popping thing, if you couldn't meet someone in person, would be to go on Mi or Black Planet. For those of you that are... Born in the 80s or maybe even the early 90s, you might have an idea of what I'm talking about. There was also another study, but I couldn't find the link of where the study was conducted, but it involved more than 700 students that found depressive symptoms such as low mood and feelings of worthlessness and hopelessness were linked to the quality of online interactions, so maybe how many likes they were getting researchers found higher levels of depressive symptoms among those who reported having more negative interactions. And a similar study conducted in 2016 involving 1,700 people found a threefold risk of depression and anxiety among people who used most social media platforms. They suggested the reason for this was cyberbullying, having a distorted view of themselves, and a distorted view of other people's lives. I think We've all been on social media and have seen someone who travels or seen someone's relationship and have thought to themselves, I would love to have that life or I would love to have that relationship. They have the perfect body. They have the perfect boyfriend. They're always traveling. They have the perfect life. And the reality is we never know what that person's life is really like. We never know what they had to do to look like that, to take that one picture we don't know what editing app they use to look the way they do in that picture. We don't know if they're fighting with their spouse. We don't know how much debt they have even though they're sipping on wine in Rome. And we have no idea, but social media paints this perfect picture of everyone's life. And I think it's very normal for someone to question their own. And if you're constantly questioning your own reality, why wouldn't you start to feel depressed or feel self-doubt? So again, you control your library, clean up your feed. If someone is not making you feel motivated or good about yourself or your life, delete them. Do not follow anyone or anything that does not make you feel good about yourself. Now, I wanna talk about an area that I really, really struggle with. And I know a lot of you have heard me talk about this on previous episodes, which is sleep. I struggle with sleep. And it's not just something that I struggle with because I'm waking up or I just can't get enough sleep. A lot of it is within my control. I find that I'm oftentimes spending hours on my phone especially at night because I get super creative, I work out at night, I have more energy, I go on my phone, I only intend to maybe spend a few minutes and next thing I know, hours have gone by. In 2020, researchers from the University of Pittsburgh asked 1,700 18 to 30-year-olds about their social media and their sleeping habits. They found a link with sleep disturbances and concluded that blue light had a part to play. How often they logged on rather than time spent on social media sites was a higher predictor of disturbed sleep, suggesting an obsessive, quote unquote, checking, the researcher said. I know I've done that. I am not going to lie. I will go from one app to the other, to checking my mail, going back to Facebook, going back to Instagram, checking my business notifications, going back to Facebook again, and then returning back to Instagram. I literally have gone from app to app. And the researchers say that this could be caused by physiological arousal before sleep and the bright lights of our devices can delay circadian rhythms, but they couldn't clarify whether social media causes the disturbed sleep or if those who have disturbed sleep spend more time on social media. And what I didn't see is it also could be the light. There's just not enough data to really justify or clarify what it is that's causing the disturbed sleep. However, what there is a lot of data and research on is the effect that light has on sleep schedules and circadian rhythms. There's someone named Matt Walker who is renowned in the study of sleep. He does awesome work and he talks about this a lot on his podcast and a lot of the podcasts that I've listened to him on. And one of the things that affects sleep the most is light. For example, if you are trying to change your circadian rhythm, or let's say you need to get up first thing in the morning, one of the best things to wake your body up is direct sunlight, even if it's just for two minutes. Light really resets that body to wake up. Same thing with when you go to sleep. You should not have any direct connection to any light because that triggers your body to know that it's time to go to sleep. When there's no longer light hitting your retina, it is going to set your circadian rhythm to say, okay, it is time to go to sleep. So if you are on your phone and you are constantly being exposed to that blue light and that phone that is going into your eyes or the light that's going into your eyes, it is triggering your body and your brain to say it's not time to go to sleep yet. And if you notice on social media, your feeds scroll down, but there's never an end. It keeps going and going and going. And if you think about it, there's a place that's very similar to how these feeds are structured, and that is the slots in Las Vegas. Social media is designed to be addictive. When you think about addiction, it triggers something called dopamine in the brain. Dopamine is a chemical produced by our brains that plays a starring role in motivating behavior. It gets released when we take a bite of delicious food, when we have sex, after we exercise, and importantly, when we have a successful social media interaction. It's like that little reward system. It's rewarding you for doing those types of things, and it inertly makes you want to do more of it. It rewards us for beneficial behaviors and motivates us to repeat them. So if you're scrolling online and you're getting these little hits of dopamine, it's a lot easier to continue to go from one app to the other to the other. And it's a lot harder to stop and to tell yourself, okay, now it's time to go to bed. Social media apps want to keep you engaged as much as possible. If we perceive a reward to be delivered at random, also known as that dopamine hit, and if checking for the reward comes at little cost, we end up checking habitually. And that's the same thing as gambling. It's like a gambling addiction. So if you pay attention, you might find yourself checking your phone at the slightest feeling of boredom, purely out of habit. And programmers work very hard behind the screens to keep you doing exactly that. Some researchers say that social media is harder to resist than a cigarette. So should it be classified as an addiction? I think it should be because it's programming your brain the same way that addictions do. Dopamine equals reward equals gambling. In 2011, Daria Kuss and Mark Griffiths from the Nottingham Trent University in the UK analyzed 43 previous studies on the matter. They concluded that social media addiction is a mental health problem that may require professional treatment. They found that excessive usage was linked to relationship problems, worse academic achievement, and less participation in offline communities. And found that those who could be more vulnerable to a social media addiction include those that are dependent on alcohol, the highly extroverted, and those who use social media to compensate for fewer ties in real life. So like I said, we are such a connected world, but yet we're so disconnected in so many ways. And this is affecting self-esteem. I know I've seen it in myself. I've seen it in my daughter who's 13. I'm guilty of it. I know when I used to compete back in 2016, I did bodybuilding competitions. I constantly criticized myself. I constantly would look at other fitness models asking myself, why don't I look like her? I'm training. I'm dieting. I'm putting in all the work. But the reality is, You don't know what that person did to look like that for that one photo shoot. You don't know what types of performance enhancing drugs that they're taking in order to look like that. We don't know what's going on behind the scenes. However, social media is affecting people's self esteem. 2016, there was a study done by researchers at Penn State University that suggested that viewing other people's selfies lowered self esteem. We are a generation of Filters. We don't even know who is putting a filter on their face these days. These apps are so advanced that you can't even tell when someone smooths out a pimple or takes it off their face or evens out their skin tone. You just can't tell nowadays. You don't know what's real and what's not. But it's not just selfies that have the potential to dent self esteem. A study of 1,000 Swedish Facebook users found that women who spent more time on Facebook reported feeling less happy and confident. And the researchers concluded that when Facebook users compare their own lives with others' seemingly more quote-unquote successful careers and happy relationships, they may feel that their own lives are less successful in comparison. Again, we are a generation of likes and filters, and social media rewards this behavior. If you have all these likes and you're getting all these comments, you are getting that rewards from Facebook and from Instagram. And it says, okay, if you get X amount of likes, we're going to release your photo to the Explorer page for more likes. So more people can pat you on the back and give you compliments. But if you post your picture and you don't get X amount of likes or you don't get X amount of interaction and Instagram does not post your picture onto the Explorer page and you don't get as many, You might even see some people that take their photo down if they don't get X amount of likes or if they don't get the amount of tension that they're used to getting on a certain photo. I know that recently, a couple of friends and myself, we've decided to hide the likes on our photos just to give ourselves a mental break, to not have other people judge the photo based on how many likes, but just to judge the photo if you like what you see if it's content that follows your path and makes you feel good about yourself. And if my content does not make you feel good, by all means, I don't want you following me. I only want to motivate people and vice versa. I only wanna follow people that motivate me. This is a really interesting experiment you can do on yourself. Open up your Instagram story or Snapchat or whatever social media app that you use and take a picture of yourself. You may find that you like what you see. Now open your regular camera and take a selfie of yourself. Compare it to the selfie that you took on social media. You may find that the picture that you took on your camera, you may not like as much as the one you took on your social media camera. And the reason is for that is because the social media camera reflects what you see in the mirror. It reflects what you typically see on a day-to-day basis. But the camera reflects what other people see of you. And it's the psychology behind it. Both are not wrong. Both are accurate. But because you are so used to seeing yourself a certain way that when you see any other version of yourself, you will think you're less attractive. How do you feel when you're on social media? There was a study done from 2013. Researchers texted 79 participants for five times a day and they did it for 14 days. They asked them how they felt and how much time they would use on Facebook since the last text. The more time people spent on the site, the worse they felt later, and the more their life satisfaction declined over time. But other research has found that for some people, social media can help boost their well-being. So again, this data is very, very subjective because there's simply just not enough data on this. And a lot of this is self-reported. But what I think we do know is how social media can affect our relationships and how they can affect us as human beings and how we interact. It's completely different than how we interacted, let's say, 20 years ago. How many relationships are being impacted by social media? Have you ever been through a breakup with social media? I know there's been times where I have dated a person or two where I have had an issue with social media, with flirting, with DMs, with the types of women that person followed. And what I don't think is appropriate is when someone says, well, you're just being insecure. No, that's gaslighting because if something makes you uncomfortable, if them communicating with other women or other men makes you uncomfortable, if they are following a bunch of fitness models and strippers, if that makes you uncomfortable, you have the right to say that it makes you uncomfortable and they do not have the right to gaslight you or invalidate your feelings. And I have come across situations where social media has become an issue. However, I also believe that you have control over the things that you do and you don't do. Because although I have a decent social media online presence, I have never had an issue in my relationship or relationships when it comes to my social media, because I have ethics and rules and things that I just find that are appropriate and inappropriate to do when you're dating someone or when you're in a relationship. And that is going to be subjective of the person. So I think that social media has caused a lot of issues because it does make things different when it comes to relationships and dating. It is so much easier to connect. And I I had talked about this in my last podcast when we talked about is dating dead. It makes it a lot easier to go to the next person or to not have to work as hard because you can just slide in someone's DMs or go on Bumble or Tinder or find someone to hook up with. And if, hey, if that's what you want, Do you? But I find that a lot of people are lazy when it comes to relationships and dating. And social media has played a huge part when it comes to the disconnects with the generation of dating and relationships that we are in now. We are a very lonely generation. And I think that it's very prevalent amongst teenagers right now, too. I know that um, I've had struggles with mine and COVID has not made things any easier. COVID really forced us to isolate and really forced us to connect on social media. On one hand, it's a blessing because we still were able to connect with everybody and loved ones who were across the world and maybe were quarantined or couldn't come back home. But on the other end, it has also made us a very introverted society, a very disconnected society telework has become so prominent with COVID and is likely going to become permanent with lots of different businesses, which is not necessarily a bad thing, but it really takes out the human connection. We need human interaction. And it just seems that the more prevalent social media becomes and the more popular it gets, the less human interaction and engagement that we have. There was a study published in the American Journal of Preventative Medicine last year And it surveyed 7,000 people from ages 19 to 32, and they found that those who spent the most time on social media were twice as likely to report experiencing social isolation, which it could include a lack of sense of social belonging, engagement with others, and fulfilling relationships. And spending time on social media, the researcher said, could displace face-to-face interaction and can also make people feel very excluded. I know that mental health and suicide rates have tripled. They have gone up so much since COVID, especially in young teens and young adults. Exposure to such highly idealized representation of peers' lives may elicit feelings of envy and the distorted belief that others lead happier and more successful lives, which may increase perceived social isolation. So, I know I spit a lot of data at all of you. I really wanted to touch base on the research and the data that is out there and how limited it really is. But how prevalent what we do know is how distant and how much of a problem social media is becoming. However, social media can really be used for good. You have control over what you expose yourself on a day to day basis, you have control over your library. Set a timer on your phone. Pay attention to how much time you're spending on social media apps. What kind of apps are you using? Clean up your feed. What do you see on your feed? Do you see junk or do you see things that are going to help you learn? Things that are gonna put you on your path. Things that are exposing you to higher vibrational frequencies and love and light and career and growth and purpose? Or are you exposing yourself to people twerking and strippers and, you know, God knows what else, fake filtered people? You have the control over your life and what you expose yourself to on a day-to-day basis. So you get to choose. What am I going to expose myself today? And am I going to use social media to help me, Or am I going to use social media to waste my own time? I hope all of you enjoyed this episode. And once again, please rate and review. It helps my podcast grow. I'm going to start reading these reviews on the podcast and shouting some of you out because I'm loving the reviews. I'm so humbled and so thankful. And until next time, see you on the next episode of Diary of an Empath.